You are like the Roman emperors. He ran headlong at me. I don't very well know what I did with my hands, for he called me rat, rat, and bellowed out loud. Aid was near to him. Eliza and Georgiana had run for Mrs. Reed. We were parted. I heard the words, Take her away to the red room and lock her in there. Four hands were immediately laid upon me, and I was borne upstairs. The red room was chill, because it seldom had a fire, solemn because it was known to be so seldom entered. Mrs. Reed, herself at intervals, visited it to review the contents of a certain secret drawer in the wardrobe, where were stored divers parchments, her jewel casket, and a miniature of her deceased husband. And in those last words lies the secret of the Red Room. Mr. Reed had been dead nine years. It was in this chamber he breathed his last. Here he lay in state, hence his coffin was borne by the undertaker's men. Daylight began to forsake the Red Room. It was past four o'clock, and I grew by degrees cold as stone, and then my courage sank. In such vault I had been told did Mr. Reed lie buried. I could not remember him, but I knew that he was my own uncle, my mother's brother, that he had taken me when a parentless infant to his house, and that in his last moments he had required a promise of Mrs. Reed that she would rear and maintain me as one of her own children. And I began to recall what I had heard of dead men, troubled in their graves by the violation of their last wishes, revisiting the earth to avenge the oppressed. At this moment a light gleamed on the wall. My heart beat thick, my head grew hot, a sound filled my ears, which I deemed the rushing of wings. I uttered a wild, involuntary cry. I rushed to the door and shook the lock in desperate effort. Steps came running along the outer passage. The key turned. Bessie and Abbot the maid entered. Oh! I saw a light, and I thought a ghost would come. What is all this? Mrs. Reed came along the corridor, her cap flying wide, her gown rustling stormily. Miss Jane screamed so loud, ma'am, pleaded Bessie. Let her go, was the only answer. Mrs. Reed, impatient of my now frantic anguish and wild sobs, abruptly thrust me back and locked me in. I heard her sweeping away. The next thing I remember is waking up with a feeling as if I had had a frightful nightmare. No sooner had I wiped one salt drop from my cheek than another followed. Come, Miss Jane, don't cry, said Bessie. She might as well have said to the fire, don't burn. In the course of the morning, Mr. Lloyd, the apothecary, came. What made you ill yesterday, he asked. She had a fall, said Bessie. Fall? Can't she manage to walk at her age? She must be eight or nine years old. I was knocked down. But that did not make me ill, I added. A loud bell rang for the servant's dinner. He knew what it was. That's for you, nurse, he said. You can go now. The fall did not make you ill. What did then? pursued Mr. Lloyd, when Bessie was gone. John Reed knocked me down, and my aunt shut me up in the red room. Have you any other relations beside Mrs. Reed? I think not, sir. I asked Aunt Reed once, and she said possibly I might have some poor, low relations called heir, 
but she knew nothing about them. Would you like to go to school? I reflected. I scarcely knew what school was. John Reed hated his school and abused his master, but John Reed's tastes were no rule for mine. Besides, school would be a complete change. It implied a long journey, an entire separation from Gateshead, an entrance into a new life. I should indeed like to go to school. Well, who knows what may happen, said Mr. Lloyd as he got up. Bessie now returned. At the same moment, the carriage was heard rolling up the gravel walk. Is that your mistress, nurse? asked Mr. Lloyd. I should like to speak to her before I go. On that occasion, I learnt for the first time from Bessie that my father had been a poor clergyman, that my mother had married him against the wishes of her friends, who considered the marriage beneath her.